Some intriguing matchups, not exactly going the way we thought they would, but we'll run down the night in the NBA. And Rudy Gobert is fed up with the refs. We'll let you know what he said. And Kawhi Leonard does not, not want to talk about Christmas, but that's not going to stop us. This is the Wednesday Locked On NBA. Let's go. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Locked On NBA Podcast. We are your Wednesday host, taking you through an interesting night in the NBA, all those stories that we talked about at the top in the intro. Let's introduce ourselves. I am John Corrales. I'm a beat writer covering the Boston Celtics and the co-host of the Lockdown Celtics podcast. You can find me on Twitter, RedsArmy underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Lockdown Pelicans podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Nola Jake. So only three games on the slate. Slow Tuesday, so we take a little bit more time to talk about these games. A couple here that didn't go, I, I, I not quite the way I thought they would. First, let's start with the Rockets and the Trailblazers. The Houston Rockets beat Portland 111-103. Jake, this was kind of a matchup of the, the team that wins gets to feel good about themselves. The team that loses gets to feel like, oh, man, are, are we really as good as we thought we were? So coming out of this, do, do you feel like the Rockets can feel good about themselves, like they turn some sort of corner? Yeah, you know, maybe. I think before I want to say that, uh, I, I need to see it again from them. But they they definitely needed this game. They put up 64 points in the paint. That's a season high for them. And their bench played well. Nene, uh, Daniel House Jr., who they recently signed to be a full-time NBA guy, Gerald Green, all had big games from them, led by Chris Paul. I think the bench went on two big runs, one at the end of the uh, – or in the middle of the second quarter and the middle of the third quarter that really kind of clawed their – brought them back into this after falling down by like 15 early on. Yeah, bench really won the game for the Rockets. They outscored the Trailblazers bench 37-13. They – they took uh, the they made the Houston Rockets made as many shots off the bench as the Blazers took. So that tells you a little something early on. So the the Rockets went with Gordon in the starting lineup. They they sat uh, James Ennis. They brought him off the bench. They went with Eric Gordon. They went small, and it cost them at the beginning of the game because they were getting crushed on the boards. They were down early, and they were hurting. Yeah, they got they got really destroyed on offensive rebounds. Uh El Farouk Amino was just chomping glass, four offensive rebounds. Yusuf Nurkic had three offensive rebounds. Uh and they all came early on and it seemed like that was going to be another uh kind of off-kilter night. This is why I'm not really taking much positive. You got to take some positive with the Rockets when you're now 12 and 14, you got to take any positive you can get. They came off of, what, a three-game losing streak, and all of the talk was about how they're just not good. Kevin O'Connor wrote a thing in The Ringer about the Rockets just not good. The Zach Lowe had a whole podcast on the Rockets not being good. And they come out against the Blazers in a big game for them, and they just kind of sucked at the start. There was no intensity. I know they were small, but they were, they weren't boxing out. They were letting the Blazers get to the boards. They had to be bailed out by Daniel House, Gerald Green, and Nene. Now, that's great that they did, but when House, Green, and Nene are bailing you out and, and fueling you to a win, 
I'm not entirely sold on the Rockets being able to come away from this win and go, okay, whew, we feel good now. Yeah, I, I think that's the safe thing to say, and that's why I said I think I need to see this a little bit more. I will say those three guys, though, were playing with Chris Paul out there, and he was kind of pulling the strings of that offense for him and maybe making those guys look better than they are, and that's a real good sign for the Rockets if Chris Paul playing with them can kind of get that out of them. But I think, again, it remains to be seen. They're mixing up their rotation with, like you said, Eric Gordon in the starting lineup. He wasn't particularly effective there, but maybe it's just an off night. They have to do something. At least this is a good first step and you can kind of try this and these rotations and lineups again and then all of a sudden if they win two or three and these lineups are having a lot of success maybe they've righted the ship a little bit meanwhile the blazers are now they're the eighth seed and it sounds worse they're 15 and 12 they're only three and a half games out of the top seed but that's the west the blazers are what they are they are built to be uh, successful behind Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. Uh, if Nurkic isn't giving them a, a ton of great play, which he was, he was good. He was decent tonight. Uh, they got some nice play out of Al Farouk Amino. They got nothing out of their bench. If they can't get something out of their bench, then they're screwed. And so this is what the trailblazers are. They're, it has to be Dame. It has to be CJ going out there, empowering them to a win. They scored a combined 56 points. They shot a combined 48%. That I don't know how much more they can do. This was a game that they should have won, but their bench, Zippo, nothing. And if, if you're not getting anything out of Evan Turner, if you're not getting anything out of Seth Curry, who only six points, I mean, they're just, that they're just not going to go anywhere. They're, you have to be a little bit worried if you're a Blazers fan. Yeah, you know, Zach Collins, I think, is the key to that bench unit for him, and he had a pretty pedestrian, just quiet game, and that's kind of that, and if you're not, like you said, if you're not getting anything out of the bench, their starters can only take them so far, because the limitations to those lineups and those players are very, very real, and, uh, you know, you look at it tonight, all of their starters, other than Mo Harkless, who was an even zero here, were positive in terms of plus-minus, and every guy on the bench was, like, massively negative, and, yeah, that basically just tells you the story of how how this went, the bench just completely let them down. Uh, go to Locked On Blazers, Locked On Rockets. They're going to have a lot more on these games. The two very interesting teams, very important teams in the Western Conference. They have a lot to get to. We're only glossing over it. They're going to get you the full breakdown. Let's move on to a game we're not going to talk much about here because it's the San Antonio Spurs crushing the Phoenix Suns, 111-86. Suns without Devin Booker, without Trevor Ariza. Uh, Spurs just go out and crush them, uh, powered by Bryn Forbes, with 24 points, a few points shy of his career high, but a career high 11 rebounds. Not really expecting a 24 and 11 double double out of Bryn Forbes, but there it is. Lamarcus Aldridge, a decent game with 18 and 5. Rudy Gay, 13 points. And really the big story is the milestone, Jake, with uh, Greg Popovich. Yeah, moving into what fourth uh, all time in coaching wins ahead of Pat Riley now, and well deserved for him. The Spurs are on a three game winning streak, looking a little bit better. They, you know, we thought they might fade a little bit as the year went on, and they're just kind of still right in there, which speaks to the levels of what Popovich is doing when you look at that Spurs roster. So, really nice accomplishment for him. Yeah, Popovich getting a little bit more criticism, I think, this season than ever before because of the the trade for DeMar DeRozan and the haul that they tried to get for um, for Kawhi Leonard. But 
At the same time, he's almost 70. He's sitting here. He's now 10 wins away from Jerry Sloan. I don't think he cares. I don't think he cares one bit about where he is on this list. But the point is, he's not sitting here trying to rebuild. I I get it from his perspective. Uh, But at the same time, Popovich is pulling these guys up and and getting as much as he can out of this team. They're now even at 14-14. and I didn't even pick the Spurs to go to the playoffs this year. I just thought they would get squeezed out. They're right about where I thought they would be. Maybe they can jump up if Dallas comes back down to earth, if injuries hit the Grizzlies, if the Lakers come back down to earth a little bit. But I just don't, I just don't know. But if anybody's going to get them there, it's Greg Popovich. I have a ton of respect for Greg Popovich. If I, if I could ever play one game for Pop, I would love to do it. But that, uh, unfortunately, not going to happen for me. Fortunate for a lot of guys in the Spurs, though. Congrats to Pop. The big game at the end of the night, which was a real laugher. Toronto at the Clippers, 123-99 win for the Raptors. Uh, want to say on a somber note, uh, thoughts go out to Nick Nurse, whose mom, 94 years old, just passed away. So returning to the team shortly after her passing and they got him a win, which is, uh, you know, something nice for the team. I'm sure they're, they're doing something nice for him. Uh, but at the same time now, basketball wise, Clippers are kind of set up to fail on this one, a back to back, an overtime game against Phoenix. And then they come home and just get destroyed by, by Toronto. I heard a crazy stat and I think they said it during the broadcast. They've been on a plane before like their last like 12 games basically with the travel and their schedules. Plane then game, plane then game. So of course this is maybe kind of like a scheduled loss for the Clippers, but no Kawhi Leonard being rested since they're playing the Warriors um on Wednesday night. But this was maybe a big needed game for Kyle Lowry. He's been struggling recently. 21 points in this one, 7 assists, looked significant better shot 61 and a half percent from the field overall he needed this one Fred Van Vliet in the starting lineup here 14 assists that's a career high for him as well uh the the Raptors are just still very very good very deep very deep Pascal Siakam man that guy is good he is so good uh he he was in the middle of a lot of good things for them tonight yeah Kyle Lowry has been struggling that's a good point there uh Valanciunas had a, a really nice game for them off the bench too so that really really killed the the Clippers they were really going after Martian Gortat they're really going after Danilo Gallinari from a Clippers perspective it's hard to fight for that playoff spot i know that they've been doing very well but when you've got a team that's as good as Toronto and you've got weaknesses as glaring as Gortat who is just just at the end of his career. You know, he used to be what he was, but he's at the end of his career. And Danilo Gallinari is just never going to be a defensive player at all. So when you face a team that's good enough to target those guys over and over and over again, you're just going to get crushed. Yeah, and the Clippers just didn't have enough offense either in this one too, along with like the defensive issues they had. They shot horrible in the first quarter and really just put themselves in a hole. And when you're down Lou Williams in this game and he didn't play, he's going to be out. It sounds like maybe a couple of weeks um, with, what, a leg injury, I think hamstring maybe. I People need to look that up. Don't hold me to it. But, you know, if you don't have that kind of scoring punch off the bench, you're going to struggle against a very good team like the Raptors are. And so we kind of look at this, yeah, maybe this shouldn't have been as big of a surprise as it kind of was but without Kawhi Leonard still you got to do a little bit better than that and man are the Raptors starting to we talked about it last week they look just they're impressive actually yeah they've really stepped it up this is a big win for them they've they've beaten good teams and the, the big question that I had before was can they continue to beat 
good teams when they really gotten fat on teams that were below 500. You look at the standings now, yeah, they're 12 and 2 against teams below 500, but now they're 10 and 5 against teams 500 and above. That's that's a big deal. They're second in the league in point differential, which is a good indicator of future success. So, they're right behind the Milwaukee Bucks. So, that they're they're set up really nice for a stretch run uh, or, or a strong run uh, in, down the stretch uh, eventually it's it's i'm i'm looking for ways for the raptors to to maybe fall apart and it's just not there they're too deep they're too unless something catastrophic happens i i like where they are the the only question i would have is nick nurse in the playoffs and and the rookie coach how is he going to handle that? But otherwise, the Raptors are going to be right there at the top or near the top, however Milwaukee and Boston figure their, themselves out or Philly. So, yeah, Raptors Raptors are really good. They're really deep. They're very versatile. They can hit you a lot of ways, and they did that to the Clippers tonight. So that's your rundown of the three games in the NBA. Again, go to the Lockdown Podcast of all those. Lockdown Spurs, Lockdown Suns, Lockdown Raptors, Lockdown Clippers. All of those that we've mentioned tonight, they've got the in-depth breakdowns of those games. There is a team podcast for every team on the Lockdown NBA Network. Like I said, I'm the host of the Lockdown Celtics, Jake's host of Lockdown Pelicans. Go search for every team that we talk about on the Lockdown Podcast Network when uh, we're doing these recaps. When we come back, Rudy Gobert pissed off at the officials. We'll talk about it. So Rudy Gobert has had some, I guess, choice choice words for officials lately. And uh, it resulted in a conversation last week where he got that foul in the jump ball, which, by the way, was a foul. I just want to throw my two cents. 100%. That was a foul. And I'm already going off the rails with this. That was a complete foul. And the thing that was thrown at me was, well, that happens on 75% of the jump balls. I went back and I looked at every jump ball on the Celtic season. I just went back and looked at every single one that I could find. Not once. Not once did that happen. So that was a foul. And... Even if you say they were looking, there was a foul. It happened. So Rudy Gobert was pissed off after that. He got kicked out after that. And then in the last game, he got a few fouls against the Oklahoma City Thunder and then said after the game, said, I'm going to watch film. I hope everybody does. I don't know. I feel disrespected. I want to play basketball. I want to do my job. We all make mistakes. But I just want to do my job. And then he basically says he's going to take things into his own hands by saying, quote, tonight someone grabbed my arm, pulled me down. That was a very dangerous play, and I got called for the foul. So if I got to do justice myself, I'm going to do justice myself, and it's going to get ugly. Hopefully I don't have to do that. I just want to play basketball. I just want to say that that is one of the stupidest things that you can do as a player to threaten violence, to threaten retaliation, because now if they weren't looking for you before, they definitely are now because they know that you're so incensed that you feel like you need to take justice into your own hands. That Rudy Gobert, now the technicals are going to come quicker for him 
because referees not targeting him, but feeling like they need to keep him under control. Because if he's going to be such a loose cannon to say, I'm going to do justice myself, a referee has to get, if I'm officiating a game, I have to get the sheet. Okay, tonight I'm getting Gobert, and he's already threatened to take matters into his own hands if he doesn't like the way things are going. So after you call a foul, watch for his reaction, because if he starts going at a player, you got to hit him with the tech. So if he gets into a player's face, that tech's going to come super fast. And that's going to even piss him off more. So... This is one of the dumbest things that a player can do. I understand he's frustrated, but, and you can say, I can't believe I'm getting these calls. And I will say, sorry, Jake, I'm hijacking this particular segment, but he did get pulled down. That, that, he, that was a nice little trick that, um, that, that got pulled on him where he did get pulled down. That, that was, that absolutely happened, but you can't threaten to retaliate, you can't publicly say, I'm going to do justice myself because now you've, now you're going to hurt your team because the, now the fouls are going to come faster. Now the technicals are going to come faster and now you've absolutely proved yourself under the microscope. Yeah, this I think is backfiring, uh, compared to what he was trying to do. This is like a move that coaches are supposed to do. You can think of like Fizdale and everything, um, that he said when he was the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. And that's when they try and kind of game with the refs a little bit and say things and try and get in their heads to maybe sway some calls in advance their way a little bit. And it seems like Gobert's trying to do the same thing, but it, like you said, it's different coming from a player doing that than it is coming from a head coach. So I think that's going to kind of backfire there. The, he's very clearly frustrated, but when you look at his personal fouls this season, they're kind of right in line where it's been his entire career. So I don't yep. think there's more being called against him in the in the large sample size there. I wonder if maybe he got hurt or something like that kind of dinged up somewhere, and now he's kind of worried about his health after missing a number of games the last season and maybe that kind of is in the back of his mind with it, but he's not a guy that talks a lot. Like I can't really remember any other big Rudy Gobert quotes other than this happening. So this seems a little bit out of character, at least from my perspective on it, my perception, which lends me to believe that something else is going on here, whatever that might be. Well, it just tells me that the referees are in his head, that the, the fouls are something that he's fixated on. Look, Again, Steven Adams pulled him down. If you if you look at the play, the referees obviously missed that. And it was a slick play, you can say, from Steven Adams. You can it was dangerous because of the way he got pulled down. That could have resulted in some sort of shoulder injury or or some other arm injury. Absolutely. I would be pissed off if I was Rudy Gobert too. But to carry that from the third quarter to after the game, to the media, you got to let that go, at least publicly, and you've got to handle it better. And you have to, you have to not let the officials get in your head. And I feel like now this has gone for multiple days. Now we're talking about him in the files a week later. I don't know if this is going to affect him in his play, but I'd be worried as a Jazz fan, like, Basically saying, shut up about the officials. Like, even if you have a point, you have to just go out there and play basketball. And just, if they, if you get called for a foul, you have to just move on. 
And and to your point, I, I look up the stats too. Cleaning the glass has him at 3.1% foul percentage. That's the exact same percentage as it was last year, and it's lower than any other point in his career. So he's right in line with the fouls that are being called against him. There's no extra fouls being called against him. He's not being targeted. There's no big grand conspiracy. So... There, like, there's two things. It's, it's, don't let the referees get in your head and don't be stupid and threaten violence because now you've drawn attention to yourselves. Just, just go out and play basketball. And if, if you just do that, it, it, this will work itself out. Yeah. I wonder if uh, some of this has to do with the jazz being 13 and 15 and, you know, just kind of frustrations boiling over. And this is the thing that he feels he can kind of maybe control a little bit more than say some of the other aspects of it. And, you know, their defense hasn't been as good as years past and part of it's because of him as well. So I don't know. It's just kind of just, you have to figure things are kind of heated there in Utah right now. And it's kind of leading to this sort of thing. I will say as an aside, when you and I were playing, Planning to what topics we wanted to cover on the podcast, and you send me a text earlier saying, "Hey, let's do something on Anthony Davis after the loss to the Boston Celtics <laughs> the other night." I'm thrilled to be doing our second segment on Rudy Gobert instead of Anthony Davis, even though you promised to be really nice. I did promise to be really nice, and um, I knew you were really way, way to be worried. a friend. You were really worried. You were really worried after that game. Uh, we talked about that on our Locked On Celtics podcast. I know you talked about it on Locked On Pelicans, but I'm going to spare you. I'm going to spare you. Oh. <laughs> Look, I'm not, as an aside, like, I'm not worried about the Anthony Davis situation. He's not going anywhere this year. We'll talk if no, he's he not. declines the Supermax. <laughs> then I mean, I'll start to sweat. You, you would, you just hope that things like losing to a team without its three biggest stars don't push him closer to do something like that. But that wouldn't. I'm sorry. I said I was going to be nice. Well, you I said, said you were going to be nice. Gonna be nice. Uh, no, we'll find out. Look, it, I take it in stride. It's basketball. It doesn't upset me that much. I'm not the guy screaming at all the Boston people being like, stop talking about AD and trying to like be covetous towards him. It's kind of is what it is. He's not going anywhere and, you know, at least this season. And again, they can offer him the most money anywhere else. Maybe that's not his priority and that's okay too, but then we'll cross that bridge and then, then I'll get worried. What did you think about all the Celtics fans cheering him? Uh, look, they should. I've been at Pelicans games where they've cheered LeBron. I've seen them cheer other guys too. I don't think, you know, necessarily the opposing fans cheering for the great player that's playing in there when he puts up 41 points is necessarily kind of a surprise, but I will say that was very obvious what they're trying to do and we'll see if it works or not. But his camps made no indication that he wants out of New Orleans whatsoever. I like how we snuck this into the podcast. Yeah, I, I didn't mean it for for it to go in that direction when I brought it up. <laughs> We're going to leave this there because this is like an evergreen discussion. We could have the Anthony Davis discussion in every Lockdown NBA podcast. So we will not have that any longer. We're going to come back with Kawhi Leonard just not in the Christmas spirit at all. Not one bit. Uh, we'll We'll have some fun with that. If you have not followed the Locked On Podcast Network on social, your Twitter or Instagram, why not? It's it's great. Locked On NBA Nets on Instagram in the stories. You'll get one-minute stories. That's four 15-second clips. So it's a great way to get a taste of all the podcasts that are out there. In the feed will be longer clips of the biggest stories of the day. 
So you can check out other podcasts. You can figure out who you might want to subscribe to or sample along the way. Locked on NBA net on Twitter. It's a curated feed. It's got all the best stuff from all the Locked On Podcast hosts. So you're basically following all of us by following one Twitter outlet. So Locked On NBA Net on Instagram, on Twitter, go ahead and give us a follow. Kawhi Leonard was asked by a reporter in the locker room to give his thoughts on Christmas. And he said, he said, actually, what's your favorite Christmas memory? And he said, no, not right now. I don't, he didn't want to talk about it. I'm not giving, I'm not talking about Christmas right now. We cannot wait for when he's ready. We need answers on what Kawhi Leonard's favorite Christmas memory is. So Jake, let's guess what Kawhi Leonard's favorite Christmas memory is. Now, the real answers might be his NBA debut which came on December 26, 2011. It may be going as Santa Claus with the KL claw because he's got the big hands. As Santa Claus in 2016, handing out gifts to kids in San Antonio. That was a fun Christmas memory. Do you have any thoughts on what might be a better Christmas memory for Kawhi Leonard? I mean, the mind reels with the possibilities and listeners. I know you're not going to get any sleep tonight unless we provide you some answers where, you know, this is something that just might drive you to madness with all of the possibilities here. So we're doing you a favor by coming up uh, with with some answers here. So, yeah, you know, I was trying to think what his, uh, you know, favorite Christmas meal, holiday meal might be. I don't know if you saw the video that was making the rounds of Oprah kind of freaking out at the completely bland chicken that was cooked for her that was like an award-winning recipe that they didn't season whatsoever and i figured just like what are going to be his probably plain new balance shoes you just want some you know delicious unseasoned chicken that's this weird kind of pale color that's going to be like what his signature shoe's going to be right (laughs) i i'm a sneaker guy i love sneakers uh i am admittedly a a more Nike guy than anything. The New Balance, I just, the New Balance dad shoes is both horrifying and perfect for Kawhi. It's perfect for him. I mean, I can't imagine, uh, look, New Balance might make me eat my words. I don't know what they're going to give Kawhi. He walked in last week with New Balance kind of like a varsity jacket. It just, it looked like something I would wear, which is not a compliment. Like I am not like a cool 27 year old NBA player. I'm 45. <laughs> I'm past my prime. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm the new balance target audience. You should not be, I don't know. So uh, maybe you're like relacing his new balance sneakers. I think Kawhi Leonard enjoyed a very spectacular Christmas watching a Ken Burns documentary drinking Bland hot cocoa with no sugar and no marshmallows. I feel like that is the type of Christmas that Kawhi Leonard would enjoy. Watching Lewis and Clark The Journey with (laughs) sugar-free hot cocoa with no marshmallows. Oh, he likes those like Christmas holiday cookies with none of the frosting on it, doesn't he? He just wants them plain. The stuff that comes in the tin... That you buy at the supermarket checkout line, 
That's yep. like the flavorless. Yeah. While he refolds the wrapping paper so he could use it again next year. Because why be wasteful? <laughs> That's yeah. a very Kawhi Christmas. We should do, like, what station would do the very Kawhi Christmas? The, the very quiet Christmas is the, is the Netflix thing of the Yule log that's burning for like eight hours and there's nothing else on there. PBS radio presents a very Kawhi Christmas. Hi Kawhi. What are you doing for Christmas? I'm watching the Yule log. Like that's exactly it. It was just kind of weird that he's just, I don't want to talk about this right now. It's like, I get it, but like part of your job as an NBA player is to deal with stupid questions that get it asked. It is. Like, I don't know. That's, I, don't know, I, I can't imagine what a Kawhi Christmas would be. Like it's, he, Kawhi did the sneaker ad for Nike where the air, where the Jordans where he was like out supposedly clubbing and he had like the helmet on. He was like the DJ. And then the, the tagline was, Oh, I was hacked, but he delivered it in the most awkwardly uncomfortable way he has. And look, not everybody's supposed to have personality. Not everybody's going to be. You know, Jared Dudley, not everybody's gonna be Boban. Not everybody's gonna have that like crazy personality. He's as dry as dry gets. Like, separating his laundry is exciting. Like, that's, I just, not a judgment. That's not a judgment. It's not how I live my life, but the very Kawhi Christmas is, ah, let's water the plants. <laughs> well, you don't want them to die. No, of course. No. <laughs> that would be horrible. It's the end of the year. I should prepare my tax documents because I want to get my return quickly. Like, I, Look, that's just being financially savvy, which really, really does play in line with the New Balance shoes that he's doing. So would you let me see what you think about this? He's going out on a limb. I don't know if you're going to agree or if our listeners are necessarily going to agree, but would you say he's got an enjoyable Christmas memory of John McClane dropping Hans Gruber from the top of the building in Die Hard? We're going to fight over this. It's not a Christmas movie. It's not a Christmas movie. Don't even. You know who also probably thinks it's not a Christmas movie and doesn't really like it is probably Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. It's not a Christmas movie. It was released in July. It was a summer blockbuster. It's set during Christmas. I'm just saying. Doesn't matter. Shane Black sets all of his movies matter. during Christmas. They're all Christmas movies. Doesn't matter. It was released. At, a Christmas movie is released at Christmas time. This was a July summer blockbuster. I will fight. I will fight to the death. I don't know. I hear you're 45 and past your prime now, so maybe I have a chance. Death comes quickly for me at this age. <laughs> so it's not going to be a fast fight. You sound like Rudy Gobert. Oh, uh, yeah, oh god, yeah. I'm, I'm, Look at that going full a, circle here. I'm a total hypocrite. I'm out there dishing <laughs> advice, but I let shit get to me real easily. Okay, that's a fun Lockdown NBA podcast. Fun enough, I hope, for you to subscribe. If you're not a regular Lockdown NBA subscriber, if you are just sampling the show from our podcast, if you're a Lockdown Celtics or a Lockdown Pelicans listener checking us out for the first time, look, man, I hope, I hope you enjoyed it. We're all of the Lockdown podcast hosts. Represent, represented here some way or other. We've got a great array of shows, so subscribe. Tomorrow's gonna be the boss. Uh, 
probably focus on some of this Go Bear stuff or whatever. We've got some great Locked On experts here, so subscribe. If you are a regular subscriber, we need you to give us that five star rating. We need us to give you that. Need you to give us that good written review because the Locked On NBA Network is trying to compete with the big boys, and we need your help. So go ahead and give us those. Share the podcast. Tell everybody that they should be listening to the Locked On NBA podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.